Woo, sounds a little weird. I know our friends back there will get me dialed in, though. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Feels like uh, spring has arrived today. Yeah, it feels good. It's probably going to be a fake out, though. I imagine it's going to be really cold tonight, though. That's how it goes. All right, my friends, we, uh, we're kind of a little bit um, deep into our time, so I think we just need to jump right into it. Um, so I'm going to ask if you would stand if you're able for the reading of God's word. We're in Romans chapter 12, verse 3 through 8. This text might look familiar to some of you uh, because it's the same exact one we preached last week, or I preached last week. Um, and the reason we're doing it again, though, is not, I'm not re-preaching the sermon. Rather, we're going to look at this with kind of a, a, a fresh perspective. Um, and Chris, I don't know if you got it going, but you got the recording going? All right, perfect. All right, if you would follow along with me as I read for, this out, read for us out loud from Romans 12, starting verse 3. God's word says this. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith If service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. This is the word of God. Thanks be to him. Let's pray. Father, I ask and pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts in here would be pleasing in your sight. We ask it and pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You guys go ahead and be seated. Hey, and by the way, if I haven't met you before, I'm Josh. Nice to meet you. Okay, so as I said, we are revisiting the same exact passage that we did last time. Why? Well, last time when we looked at these verses, we really focused on those first few words. In fact, the first command that comes in verse 3 that says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to. And so we looked at that whole paragraph kind of through that context, the lens of that command. And it must have struck a nerve. I know there weren't a whole lot of, let's be real, there weren't a whole lot of people here last week. It was Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, It was a, a smaller crew. But nonetheless, even with the smaller group, I feel like I got more feedback on that sermon than I have of any sermon in a long time. People wrestling with and just really being struck by that that call of of measuring ourselves by the measurement of faith, not our power or boastfulness or pride or whatever it might be. But in the course of kind of hearing people talk to me about that and what stuck out to them, one thing that kept coming up was people sort of still wanting to know more about the spiritual gifts that are listed here, and in particular, how to discern their own spiritual gift, the one that God had given them to serve the body. And so that happened uh, a handful of times, that same message of like, I want to know more about those spiritual gifts that are in those verses, enough where I finally was like, okay, I think we've got more work to do in this text. 
And so I decided to come back, and this time we're going to kind of look at this paragraph through the lens of that list of spiritual gifts that are spelled out for us there. I think um, really there's two main things we're going to do today, and we really can only stick with two because uh, I'm almost out of time and I just started. So we're going to look at the what and the how. What are these gifts? When I read uh, serving, when I read exhortation, what does that mean? What is that gift all about? We're going to unpack that and talk about that and try to get a good definition for these gifts. But then the how is, how do I know which ones I have? How do I know the way that God's gifted me? And we're going to talk about discerning that and figuring that out of what your gift is, or actually more accurately, what your gifts are. But... Even though the what and the how are the main things we're going to do, I do have some preliminary thoughts that we have to start with. Some things that you need to hang on to that will be vital to properly understanding spiritual gifts. So you see up here on the screen some preliminaries. Here's the first one. Uh, What is the first one? Yes, there we go. See, when I study my sermon, if I have like slides that are going to help me, I'm like, oh, I don't need to remember this. I'll just look at the slide. There we go. Gifts of God's grace. Your spiritual gifts are exactly that. They're gifts. They don't belong to you. They're not your skill, your talent, your power. They're something God has given you. So more than, or excuse me, less than being like an owner of these things, it's more proper to think of it as you're a steward. That's something God has given for you. Then we have the next one. The spiritual gifts are for the building up and the edification of the church. They're about seeing your brothers and sisters in faith around you grow in their faith and grow in love for Jesus. Another way of putting this is your spiritual gift is not about you. It's not about making you feel good. It's not about giving you a sense of purpose. It's principally about seeing the people around you grow in their faith and be encouraged to run further and harder and deeper into their relationship with Jesus. Final preliminary that we got to keep in mind. This one kind of flows out of the first two that we just said. When you exercise your spiritual gifts, when you use your spiritual gifts, you do it from a posture of humility, not pride. If it's true that this is a gift that God gives you, and it's true that it's about your brothers and sisters, not about you principally, then it means that when you use your gift, do it with a a humble, meek, sort of uh, generous spirit. That might not have been the right word I was looking for, but hopefully that principle will come out better as we preach. So these are the preliminaries I want you to keep in mind as we get into the nitty-gritties of the spiritual gifts. We can't forget this, these purposes of the gifts. In fact, I might quiz you on it at the very end. We'll see. Depends on if I'm feeling spicy or not. So, what and how, that was what I told you the main things were, so let's, let's get going. Uh, we need to define the what of these spiritual gifts listed here. And by my reasoning, I think there are seven that we see in the text that we read. Starting at the end of verse 6, we're told that there's a gift of prophecy. Then we see the gift of service. Then the gift of teaching. The gift of exhortation. The gift of contribution or generosity the gift of leadership, and then finally, the gift of mercy. 
We're going to define each one of these in turn, but I'm going to start at the end. We're going to begin with the gift of mercy. So just briefly, we're going to kind of pop through these very quickly, um, but I have a slide for each one that hopefully kind of has the salient points that I want you to take away. Those with the spiritual gift of mercy are those who have a heart and an attitude and a willingness to show compassion and care for those which often slip through the cracks of society. So some practical examples of this might be visiting the sick, caring for the elderly, ministering to the poor, visiting those who are in prison. This might be kind of the practical outflow of someone who has the gift of mercy, that they are mindful and eager to serve the people in those situations that oftentimes are ignored by everyone else. That's the gift of mercy. Second, the gift of leading or leadership. We saw at the end of verse 8, the one who leads to lead with zeal. The business of the church is Jesus saying, you know, I want to see the glory of God spread all over the face of the earth. I want to see people baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and them discipled, that you would teach them and show them everything that I've commanded. That is the business of the church. But at a smaller scale, if the church is going to accomplish that mission, there's a lot of things that have to be done kind of at an organizational level. A structuring level. Thinking about all the kind of like nuts and bolts that make things go. The gift of leadership is the person who is equipped to organize, to structure, to mobilize people for the mission of the church. Sometimes even this gift is known as the gift of administration. Which kind of captures sort of the more narrow focus of this. I was sharing with the folks up in Paradise this morning that we have a friend that put together sort of a policies and procedures list for us with this particular ministry here at the church. And in that, there was this comprehensive scheduling. There are all these contingency plans about when things don't go according to plan, this is what we'll do. And then when the contingency plan doesn't work, here's the contingency plan for the contingency plan. And it was beautiful. It was like, oh my gosh, I needed this as a pastor because my head is in the clouds most of the time. I need someone who's able to say, okay, if we're going to accomplish this, this is what needs to happen. I think they were exercising this gift of leadership or administration. So going on to the next one, the gift of contribution, or we could even say generosity. We're told the one who contributes to do so with generosity. A person that has the gifts of contribution is the one who is eager to share all that they've been given by God. This could be that they're easy, or excuse me, they're eager to share their finances with those who are in need. Could be that they're eager to share their car with somebody whose car broke down and they need a way to get to uh, work each day. It could be even be somebody who just has that, that bent towards wanting to take care of the check at dinner even though no one asked him to. Have you ever had a friend like that? Just constantly grabbing for the check? I got it. But you got the last three times. It's okay. I got it. They love sharing what God has given they have the gift of contribution. The next one, gift of exhortation. This is a fancy word for something very, very familiar, encouragement. 
The one who has the gift of exhortation seems to be uh, skilled and equipped at being able to speak the right word to someone who's struggling, who's doubting, who's disillusioned, who's hurting. They can encourage them in a time of need. And then sometimes they're able to encourage not necessarily somebody who is hurting, but just generally the church body spurring us on to, to follow after Jesus with vigor. They have that gift of exhortation. The next one, the gift of teaching, I believe, is next. The one who teaches in his teaching, we talked about that a little bit last week, how that kind of seems redundant. Um, But the gift of teaching is someone who is able to communicate clearly and effectively what God has written in his word. Someone with the gift of teaching is able to unpack what the Bible says And also to apply it, to show you how it's relevant to your life, how to put it into practice. But also, Lord willing, to explain it, to know what it means in a way that's clear, in a way that's compelling. The next gift, the gift of service. I believe that those who have the gift of service are the ones who take care of the practical matters of the church. Kind of similar to the gift of leadership we talked about. We have the calling of the church, which is big and, broad, big and broad, and yet there are things that have to be done if she's going to accomplish her mission. Sometimes, like setting up the communion table and getting it ready so that we can take communion together. Or getting here early to put out the, uh, the, um, the materials for the kids to, to color and draw when we're in our worship time. People with the gift of serving are often behind the scenes doing the things of putting together the church or, or, or setting up and cleaning up when it's time to go that many take for granted and yet that's a vital, important piece to play, part to play. That's what I meant to say. I think I mentioned last week that the, the root of this word, it's the same word that comes from deacon or where deacon comes from, diakonos. We'll be nominating deacons this next week at the congregational meeting. And what we're doing in that is saying these are men that we feel like have this gift of service. The word even goes back all the way in Greek times to this root of meaning to serve tables, to wait tables. This idea that we're behind the scenes, we're bringing the food, we're wiping down the table, we're taking care of all those little pieces that often get overlooked. The last one that we have on our list, though, the gift of prophecy. Can you see why maybe I went backwards and saved this one for last? (laughs) This one is the most controversial. The gift of prophecy is controversial because people can't totally agree on what it means. And then related to that, they can't totally agree on whether it's active in the church today. Whether the gift of prophecy is still something we see or should see. And the reason why, there there are many people that kind of have that approach, many good friends of mine in our presbytery, in the PCA, that would say the gift of prophecy is no longer active. And the reason they say that is because we have the New Testament now. Prophecy was active in an early time in the church history in that first century where the New Testament wasn't codified and put together. And so there was a need for people with the gift of prophecy to speak powerful words of the Lord. But now that we actually have the New Testament scripture, that need is no longer there, and so the gift of prophecy has ceased. 
And you, you can see, even wrapped up in that, uh, that discussion that I just sh- shared with you, is, is the definition of prophecy that many of those people have. That it is an authoritative, thus saith the Lord, similar to Isaiah or Ezekiel or Jeremiah, the Old Testament prophets, that prophecy is that, the authoritative word of the Lord that someone is speaking, that God's given to them. No wonder they think prophecy is not relevant for today anymore. Because we have the scripture. This is the authoritative word of the Lord. I view it a little bit differently, though. I actually do think the gift of prophecy is still active in the church and should be sought by the church. And the reason why I think that is because I'm not convinced that prophecy that's spoken of here is the authoritative word of the Lord on par with his scripture, the Bible. Rather, what I think prophecy is, is a gift of God where he is able to to bring to someone's mind an impression, a thought, an encouragement, very spontaneously. That is a word on target for the person it's shared with or the congregation it's shared with, wherever they're at. This gift is, it's not authoritative. It is not me saying, I'm a prophet and I'm going to say, the Lord said to do this and you better not doubt it. No. I know there are places that have abused it that way, that have presented it that way. I've been in places like that before. But rather, the gift of prophecy is is this irrepressible uh, urge, thought, encouragement that God's put on our mind to share with someone to say like, here's what I believe the Lord wants me to encourage you with. Now, I think that most churches, whether they're more Pentecostal or not, have the gift of prophecy happening in some way, shape, or form. It's often that we just label it different. Tell me if you've ever been a recipient of this. Somebody calls you up and says, man, I just was praying and the Lord just powerfully put you on my heart and I couldn't get you out of my mind. I just had to call you. See what's going on. Or, Josh, I I was praying for you and the Lord put on my mind this scripture that I want to share with you and speak to you as encouragement for where you're at today. Even I had a friend in college that multiple times would say, I feel like we need to pray for our friend Joe right now. And we would learn later that Joe was in a situation that very day and for him to know like, oh my gosh, God just spontaneously put on your heart to pray for me then on that particular Friday? I needed that more than you knew. And there's story after story of that happening with somebody talking about a a missionary they support or a, a church and maybe a persecuted part of the world and saying like, we need to stop and pray for them right now. We need to reach out with them to them with an encouragement right now. Maybe that is getting a little bit to what's meant by this gift of prophecy. And, you know, there's way more robust teaching about this in 1 Corinthians. Years ago, we went through it. But it's in that teaching where you really get the sense of what this gift is all about, encouragement. And if that's the case, maybe that's what this gift means here. Now, I know I probably scared some of you guys. You're like, oh, my gosh. Josh is going to take us down the wrong path here. 
I hope you're not thinking that. I probably endeared myself to some of other you guys that are like, man, this church is Presbyterian, so frozen, and the pastor's finally talking about spiritual gifts like he should. I don't know where you're coming from, but if you want to talk about this more, I would love to. I know there's more to be said about it, but for now, I wanted just to give sort of a snapshot of some of the debate about what this means, but then also just in my humble opinion, what it is and how it should be used. So, go through them again. Prophecy, serving, teaching, exhortation, contribution, leading, and finally mercy. Those are the gifts that we see here in Romans. They're not all of the spiritual gifts. There are more that you'll see throughout the New Testament. But our job today was to talk about the what of these particular gifts. Now, let's get to the how. How do you know which gift is yours? How do you figure that out? Well, the first thing I'm going to say is the way I just phrased that already is probably wrong. I said, how do you know which gift is yours? I don't think we should think like that. Because the reality is these gifts often overlap and flow in and out of each other. Yeah, I, I, I had this little graphic. I'm not sure how helpful it is. This is the wrong way of thinking about it. As each gift is this discrete, isolated gift that has nothing to do with the other one. This is the right way of looking at it. They overlap. They're on top of each other. They flow in and out. If you have the gift of mercy, you will find yourself dipping into the gift of contribution. And vice versa, you'll find yourself from contribution gifting in, dipping into the gift of service. Even prophecy that we just talked about, I hope you picked up on it. It's so tied to encouragement. That is the gift of exhortation. They're bonded together. And so the point of it is that when we think about what our spiritual gifting is, we think we need to think less about finding our one gift and then staking our claim in that gift and staying in our lane forever. And we need to think more about the combination of gifts that God has given us. The, the way in which all of these show up in some degree in our life, but some of them stronger, some of them lesser. Your unique combination of gifts is what your contribution to the church is, not just one or the other. It's how God has made you with strong in this, a little less in this, stronger in that, a little more in that. That's how we need to think about this. So with that in mind, where do we, where do we go from there? Well, um, they're diagnostic tools, lots of them. It feels weird suggesting this as a pastor, but... Just Google it. <laughs> no, seriously. Uh, there are so many good, and, and, and yeah, there's some bad ones that you Google. So I'm going to give you a more pointed sort of direction. I told you last week that we used to give out a spiritual gifts inventory at our welcome seminar. And the one that we used that I really liked was from Lifeway Christian Bookstore. And so you can find that. If you look that up, Lifeway Christian Bookstore Spiritual Gift Inventory, you will find it. It's a questionnaire, and I really love it because it kind of has a graph at the end that kind of captures what we just talked about, the fact that our gifts are not just one or the other, but sort of a combination of lesser and stronger gifts. So check that out, and lots of other tools that you can find too. But second, there are books galore. So many books. We have books at the, do you know that we have a library at the office? That they're books just for you to take. 
And yeah, Pastor Brian will probably track you down if you don't bring the book back. I mean, he's a bulldog when it comes to books. I'm teasing. He, he's got a look on his face now like, get me out of here. <laughs> but there are books for you to take. We have some about finding your spiritual gifts and thinking through that. Really, I just want you to come visit me at the office. That's the application here. It gets lonely there some days. But really, this is the big thing I want to talk about as we end here. The next one is, uh, far from the diagnostic text and the books that you can read, there is just a very, very simple thought experiment you can do to try to figure out what your gifts are. If you've never considered it before, here's the question you need to ask yourself. What gives me joy when I do it? What makes my heart sing when I'm participating with this particular gift or ministry? What, what do I feel God's pleasure in when I do it? Remember, remember that from Chariots of Fire? Eric Liddell talking about how he loved to run those long races. He said, I feel God's pleasure when I run. Where do you feel God's pleasure? Is it in generous giving? Is it in encouraging someone that needs encouragement? Is it in teaching the word? Where? Here's the thing. For as Christians, all of us are called to do these things to a certain extent. We, we talk about these gifts, a gift of mercy or a gift of encouragement. But the reality is, even if you don't have the gift of mercy, you're still called to be merciful, right? You can't opt out of that. Even if you don't have the gift of generosity, you're still called to be generous. So just by virtue of being a follower of Jesus, we are called to, at a baseline general level, be obedient to many of these things. But what happens is as we're doing them, what we'll begin to find is that some of these things rise to the top of our heart. Some of these things kind of capture our imagination and our desire and our delight more so than others. And that is a beautiful thing when you can begin to realize, I think that I am wired and made for this. I was a seminary student when I began to realize, at least I'm going to, you might disagree with me on this, I hope not, but I was a seminary student when I began to realize that I had the gift of teaching. And it, there was so much about teaching and preaching that was horrible to me. And I don't mean the, the public speaking element of it, but just the fact that it's a lot of work, a lot of preparation, week in and week out. You, you read, you listen, you write, and then you tear up what you wrote, and you write again and tear that up, and on and on and on. And it's this long process, and you finally get to Sunday, and you get to, to, to let out all that you've been working on. And then you wake up Monday morning, and you realize, i got to do it all again this week. That is hard and tedious, and I, it's still hard and tedious, and that scared me to death as a seminary student. But I remember when I realized I might have the gift of teaching is when I saw that even through the tediousness of preparation, there was that point where God began to crystallize what I was going to preach on and what I wanted to share with the congregation, and it got me so excited. I couldn't wait to share it with others. And, and I loved thinking about what's the best way where this comes out clear in a way that really compels people. And then on Sunday when I'd actually preach and just finally, after all that preparation, just let it rip. 
and it felt like I was doing what I was made to do. I felt God's pleasure in it. And so I ask you, where do you feel that? What does that for you? Do you know? Some of y'all might. Yeah, I heard some yeses. You've thought through it before, but maybe you've never really considered before. Now, last thing I'm going to say today is a very important kind of corollary to this. The question of where do I find that delight and that joy is an important one, but it's not the only question. Because coupled with that has to be the additional question of where do I see fruit being born around me? Where do I see this gift being effective towards my brothers and sisters in Christ? Remember, the purpose of spiritual gifts is to build up those around you. So I could love doing something, I could love teaching, I could love preaching, I could feel God's delight in it, but if it's not bearing fruit in those around me, it's not my gift. We have it up here on the screen. Your spiritual gift is the place where your joy and your effectiveness meet. You gotta have both. And it's so hard to figure that out because sometimes we're just so obsessed with one gift that we want that think is the end all be all. And we say, I love doing this. I want to do this. I'm convinced this is my gift. But then I go talk to my friend Brian and I say, Brian, do you see this bearing fruit in those around me? And he says, I'm, Josh, I'm not so sure. Ouch. That's hard. And it's probably the reason why many of us never candidly ask the people in our lives to help us see that. Because we're afraid that they might say no. And yet, I would much rather have that stinging response from Brian telling me that what I thought is my gift really isn't. I would much rather that than spend a lifetime trying to force a gift that I don't have. That's miserable. I don't want that for anybody. So we come back full circle in a way to those preliminaries we started with that I told you we can't afford to forget. Do you remember what they were? Tell me. What you got, Alti? Gifts of God's grace. For the church, right, not about you. And you practice it with humility, not pride. If you're in a position of trying to force a gift that you really like but it's not bearing fruit with anyone around you, You've totally forgotten those pieces. You've began to think that spiritual gifts are about you. You've begun to think that you own them as opposed to being a gift of God's grace. And you probably are trying to exercise it with pride as opposed to humility. Our gifts, like I said, are the place where our joy and our effectiveness, our fruitfulness meet. And my homework assignment for all of you this week is to be prayerfully thinking about that. If you haven't before, prayerfully consider where is it where my joy and my effectiveness meet. Ask people in your life. You need them to help you see it. And then once you begin to discover that, oh, then the fun part comes. Then we get to dream together about what that might look like with you helping, encouraging, serving at the church. It might be an existing ministry we already have. It might be one that you get to create. But 
it's a good thing when a church has a fullness of people that are actively using their spiritual gifts for the edification of the body. I don't want to miss that. Let me pray for us and we'll head to the table. Father, thank you for this word and we pray that you would make it burrow in our hearts deeply. We've looked at it now for two weeks in a row, Lord. I hope that it's getting in there, that it will stay, that it will come to mind at random moments where we're standing in line at Safeway and all of a sudden we remember that we all have gifts according to the grace of God given to us. Lord, please, let this word bear fruit in our lives as it's living and active. We know it is. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray and ask. Amen. As we head over to the table today, I'm going to ask elders and elders' wives, if you start making your way up to the front row, just so I know who's here to help me serve. Guys, it's 518.